Welcome in to the DNVR. Wait, what what podcast is this again? Dre? Draft. I, I, the draft, draft podcast. Oh, that's right. That's we we just haven't uh, we just haven't been here in so long. I have forgotten. But yes, the DNVR draft podcast been. presented by um, actually there's a new presenting sponsor presented by DraftKings or DraftKings now, uh, which is pretty right. cool and kind of fitting. Because today we are sure going is. through all of uh, the DraftKings lines for the 2021 NFL Draft, talking about the first overall pick, uh, talking about the first lineman drafted, the first receiver drafted, the first quarterback drafted, um, and that's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. And uh, yep. maybe we'll give you some good advice to use on DraftKings as well. Um, Dre, it's been like forever. Uh, you're older now. You had a birthday. I feel like we should have been singing on the podcast or something. Um, what, it's true. We blew it. We did. What's up with your life now? Well, I'm now doing a daily betting podcast, as you know, um, thanks to our good friends at DraftKings. So that's been fun. It's a lot of midday golf and soccer watching and, uh, you know, just... Um, my picks haven't been great, but I'm getting good value when I when they they do hit, and it was great seeing you at the bar for uh for the UFC fight. You know that was very enjoyable, Hank. I'm I know that people on Reddit are speculating that we've had a big break and that uh you oh, were in some contract negotiations and all sorts oh. of stuff is happening. But no, uh, no, young Hank and his uncle Dre are uh. Still at it strong. We just talked about Montana football off air for about 30 minutes. Um, I venture to say that even as far as Montana friends go, I'm one of the few who will entertain uh, talking FCS football for that long with you, which is probably why we get along so well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a joy to do this again. We'll take break from our draft um, grades, recap, going over the positions and everything. We need something fresh. Um, for God's sake, I, I've been talking more MLB draft than I have NFL draft. This isn't good. Um, as you said, we've got these DraftKings lines. We're like excited for football that's coming up. We're excited for this upcoming draft class. We're excited, as always, for college football. Um, and you've, you guys um, have some questions, which I'm sure are still not dated. So we've got all that for you. And, uh, yeah, pretty excited to be back at it, buddies. Thanks for so reaching excited. out so we could do this is like my one place where I get to get all my Broncos takes out. And true. now I have like three weeks of those just totally backed up. Plus I have all this draft stuff mm. backed up because it's, it's time to start thinking about the college football season. Uh, I'm just so, so, so excited to be back here and back into the grind of the draft pod. Um, Absolutely. Want to just jump in? Let's start with uh, the, the lines for the first overall pick in the 2021 draft. Um, I think anybody uh, out there knows who the favorite is. That's Trevor Lawrence at minus 305. Number two, Justin Fields at plus 350. Um, There's there's another discussion, I guess, uh, that's the first quarterback drafted. And 
maybe that's the time for this. But I guess if we're talking first overall pick, it's got to be one of those two, right? Yes, with a caveat. So this matches my rings exactly, right? Trevor Lawrence has been one, no surprise. We've talked about him pretty regularly on this pod. Uh, shoot, AJ and I were talking about it before um, you took over the buff beat. And we started doing this on a weekly basis. And Justin Fields has been a name that's been out there for a while, too. He just had an outstanding season uh, in his first year at Ohio State. And I think we're expecting even bigger things in year two with the Buckeyes. It'll be really interesting to see Ken Fields, who at times was sharper and more consistent than Lawrence while playing against better competition. Can he close that gap? where Trevor Lawrence has just such a prototypical skill. But from a betting perspective, Lawrence is minus 305. Fields is plus 350. So you're getting some nice plus value. I think what Lawrence Fields will look like will be very Andrew Luck RG3. Not to compare the, the four prospects to each other, but it's kind of got that vibe, right? Like Lawrence is just a little a little more Raleigh skilled and a little more fits in every system, especially more pro style systems to where he's, he's going to be the top prospect on like 28 teams boards, you know, like fields might have four or five teams on his side, but for the most part, it's going to be Florence where from a betting perspective, this is interesting though, is what if the team that lands the first overall pick is not a team that needs a quarterback. If it's the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals, you, you name them, Arizona Cardinals, who knows what kind of fluky stuff happens where a team's... Yeah, go ahead. You can even think back to the, the Colts with Peyton Manning and uh, Andrew Luck. You know, Peyton Manning gets hurt, and so they have a terrible season. They wind up with the first-round pick, or first-overall pick. Right. Obviously, they let Peyton walk and use that on a quarterback. But in another world, they could have said, let's hold on to Peyton and use this first overall pick for something else. So if there's an injury to a quarterback from a team that we don't see as potentially having that number one overall pick too. Right. In typical years, you would say, well, that's foolish. Trevor Lawrence is so good. If that was the case, that team would just trade down for a King's ransom this year. That might be the case though, because we have the rare not quarterback generational talent. And that's, um, Oregon left tackle Penny Sewell, who you get at plus 400, clearly the best non-quarterback in this draft class. I was, uh, he's third on my big board. I've been back and forth already with him and Justin Fields in that second spot. Uh, Sewell famously only at his first penalty of his entire college career last year on like a false start, um, mm -hmm. like a fluky thing against Washington guy is just a beast he's the number one reason why that Oregon offensive line I think was the best unit in the country last year um and you know why he was by far and away the best offensive lineman on a unit that had four other guys who went the NFL yeah, yeah. I mean that just that happened right Shane Lemieux the left guard Jake Hansen the center uh right guard Calvin Thockmorton and I'm forgetting the the right guard maybe the right guard didn't go to the NFL already but still those three other guys are in the league already they've signed their contracts and Sewell was far and away the best there is a shot that a team gets that first overall pick and says man we risk missing out on Sewell we're just gonna take if 
if Penny Sewell and Chase Young were in the same draft class, who would be rated higher and how close would it be? It would be extremely close. And so many factors would play into separating the two. I mean, positional value, overall upside. I think Sewell is a cleaner prospect. I think Chase Young but just barely um, has slightly higher upside. Thing, as crazy as it sounds, though, I've seen guys who are within the realm of being in that same grade tier as Chase Young, right? The Bosa's, the Von Miller's. Uh, you know, I, I've graded out some pretty special edge rushers um, since I've been doing this. I've graded out some very good offensive tackles. I've never come close to what Penny School is. And he um, still has one more year to play. He sure does. He <laughs> sure does. <laughs> we haven't seen his best yet. No, he's, he's a beast, man. He, he is, is a, beast. a beast. He is That is immaculate. some sneaky value. Going back mm-hmm. to those quarterbacks, and this is kind of a, a, a discussion that you aren't expecting me to throw out there, but uh, – mm-hmm. Back when I was in uh, school, chasing my econ degree, studying all of this sort of stuff, how to best manage the draft, one of the things that I found very interesting was the way that black quarterbacks are undervalued. So there there are studies that that looked back over various periods of time. So so nothing since I've been doing this job, obviously, uh, so nothing about the last two years where we've seen Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, all show that they were underdrafted. Kyler Murray, first overall pick, but yeah, same thing. Yeah, gotcha. Right, right, right. What, What all of the studies have shown is that when you compare the stats, when you compare the wins, all of that kind of stuff, you find that black quarterbacks are drafted too low consistently just on Uh average. And so Uh this may be one of those situations where, and again, this is kind of the time to talk about this kind of stuff where teams may recognize that now, maybe having these three big names Deshaun Mm -hmm. Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, at least they're, they could acknowledge that this trend is happening and has happened for forever. And there's plenty of other literature on like how, black quarterbacks are less likely to get second chances and get second cut, all that kind of stuff. But the big one is black quarterbacks have been undervalued consistently over the past 40, 50 years in any time frame that you want to look at. And who knows, maybe that's something that is changing this discussion or I don't know. At least I think it's something that people should know, you know, yeah, for sure. And it's an interesting class for some black quarterbacks because Justin Fields is amazing. Um, Trey Lance is going to be a hot commodity. And, you know, the other thing is if you really want to mine some inefficiencies here, uh, you know, you're trying to find a guy who fits the mold that we've seen the last several years of a quarterback being out of nowhere. And it's always a transfer quarterback and being the first overall pick. Because that's yeah. happened in back-to-back-to-back years now as no one thought Baker Mayfield was even going to be a, a first-round pick, let alone the first overall pick. But he ended up being that. Kyler Murray was 
assumed to go into baseball after being a top 10 pick in the MLB draft Mm -hmm. and having never really got consistent time starting at the college football level until he blew up at Oklahoma and he becomes the first overall pick. And Joe Burrow, of course, you know, this time last year, we thought nothing of Joe Burrow, merely a system quarterback at LSU in one of the most boring and least quarterback-friendly systems in the entire FBS, or yes, FBS. Um, we talk so much FCS, I, I've <laughs> yeah. now got those confused. Um, and he came out of nowhere to be the first overall pick and um, have really one of the greatest seasons of any quarterback in college football history. And that's why, as crazy as it seems, we do have guys like Derek King, plus 2,200. Jamie Newman, who's going to uh, Georgia from Wake Forest, plus 3,300, who I don't believe in a ton. But again, had you talked to me exactly a year ago and asked me about those guys who went first overall, I would have had the same reaction. So I I am intrigued by Kellen Mond, plus 8,000. Look, he had a very inconsistent year at Texas A&M last year. Um, I think there's a ton of talent there and I love that Jimbo Fisher is his coach because he's groomed NFL level quarterbacks before and his system is can be quarterback friendly and translate to the NFL a little better but Mond has a lot of growing from what I saw last year but you know if you want my candidate to be that guy as far as lines you can find on DraftKings there you go Kellen Mond at plus 8,000 would be it I wouldn't waste any money on a wide receiver in the history of the NFL draft, we've seen one wide receiver go first overall. That was Keyshawn Johnson. Don't think that's happening again. So while Jamar Chase at plus 5,000 might look like outstanding value, it, it's there's a very slim chance that happens. Yeah. Very slim. And, you know, we kind of shifted the discussion to specifically to quarterbacks. That's an option. You can bet on the first quarterback taken and – it kind of feels like you might as well just bet on first overall pick given how this is all working out. But maybe you think Penny Sewell goes mm-hmm. there and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields fall off. And so you see some value R- running through these guys here. Here's the order of the odds for first quarterback drafted um, starts with Trevor Lawrence and going back to the other mm-hmm. conversation. He's white. Justin Fields is black. Trey Lance is black. Derek King is black. Jamie Newman is black. Then you get to Sam Ellinger. Who's white. Kellen Mond who's black. It's crazy how you are seeing like this kind of shift. And it's honestly pretty cool because we're waking up to seeing what's actually happening. But uh, when we look through those names, you kind of mentioned some that stuck out. If you had to pick one to be the third quarterback take and just say Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are out, who do you take there? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, pre- the presumed favorite here is Trey Lance. Mm-hmm who I'm very much intrigued by and yet have a ton of questions because Trey Lance could go. I mean, he could really play his win his way into being a top 10 pick. He could, uh, he could end up like Easton stick the last starter at North Dakota state who was, a, I believe a, a late day three pick. Um, I know he's with the chargers. I, I forget if he was even drafted. Um, so I think he, he can go, a variety of ways. He's a tough eval. Um, and I, I always remind people, you know, when you're watching guys at Alabama, when you're watching guys at Clemson, you need to take into account 
that 90% of their games, all the teammates around them are winning their one-on-one matchups pretty easily. So it makes winning a one-on-one matchup for them way easier. So, you know, like evaluating Najee Harris versus evaluating Cam Akers from Florida State last year, who's so many times having to break a tackle at his own, past his own line of scrimmage to even get positive yardage. Well, Najee Harris might not have to make his first tackle miss until six yards into the play. You know, that's a much different evaluation. And Trey Lance and all these North Dakota State kids, that is the case for them more so than Alabama and Clemson. Because these dudes have been on a close to an unprecedented run in the history of college sports in a lot of ways. You know, short of a UConn women's basketball and uh, the great UCLA basketball teams of back in the day with Bill Walton and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, we, we haven't seen this level of dominance in a while. So Trey Lance is really helped by that. And he's helped by a system that's run heavy because that's the safe way to go. Their running backs are great. They've got great offensive lines, so they're run heavy. And he's very athletic, too, and a great runner. So he's a bit of a tougher eval as somewhat of a run-first quarterback. And I've compared him, to some extent, to Herbert in that. You know, it's a lot of screen passes and first-read accuracy. You know, I need to see him off his secondary reads. He reminds me of Jalen Hurts a little bit as a runner. Um, the deep ball on the run at the FCS level reminds me a bit of Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some Jimmy G in his ability to do stuff on like bootlegs and on the run and being more accurate on the move almost than he is with his feet set. And that's where I need to see more is footwork, pocket presence, handling pressure, going off his secondary reads. He's kind of an unrefined quarterback prospect which is why there's so much variance in what I'm telling you here, right? And I think that's exactly why I'm so excited about him because Mm -hmm. you could see how this could all come together because it's almost like, you know, last year when we watched Kyler Murray, it's it's all RPOs. So much of it is first read stuff. He's not moving to second reads. There isn't like a whole bunch of depth to to what he's being asked to do. But he's doing it all remarkably well. And the few times that he's asked to do more, it's gone well. And that's kind of how I feel about Trey Lance. Or you look at him, it's like he's completing two-thirds of his passes. But he only, in one of his games last year, had 30 passing attempts. In, I think, four others, maybe five others, he had 20 passing attempts. The rest were less than that, and he played 14 games. That's more than half of his games under 20 passing attempts. But he still threw 28 touchdowns, two per game. And he Mm -hmm. ran in 14 more. That's another touchdown per game. And he didn't throw a single interception all year. Like, he has been so good. And it's just so weird watching him play because he is checking so many boxes. But then you watch him run the ball. And you know that Visca play against Stanford where he picks up or, like, puts down his shoulder on fourth down, picks up the first down, and it's become, like, this classic Visca? He did the same thing to get a touchdown, except – He's a quarterback, but also it's an FCS linebacker instead of a power five linebacker. And so you just don't know what that really means. And, you know, he's not going to be Cam Newton, but he does have the legs and he knows how to use them. And he ran for 1,100 yards last year with 14 touchdowns. I know. 
It's just th- hard to be impressed by the stats because he's at North Dakota mm-hmm. State, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but at the same time, sometimes that stuff translates, you know? Like yeah. It's important not to penalize him because at North, he's at North Dakota State, but to allow that to properly frame your expectations and how you're uh, looking at his production. Yeah. And I mean, how much of your love for Trey Lance is coming down to FCS bias? Oh yeah, As, uh, I won. Oh, that's fair. You, I know, and we were we were talking about this before the show. Like you, you brought up the Grizz conversation. It started with me like going back, like making sure I knew what I was talking about with Trey Lance, like double check everything, look through the numbers, and then that slowly turned into like the Grizz are bringing back four All Americans and all that stuff, and then that spiraled. <laughs> but but with Trey Lance, like as I was telling you, it's like FCS guy, so I want to pull for him. North Dakota State guy, so I want to hate his guts. Like, like it's just this weird mix where I've settled on, he's a good football player. Let's not be petty here. And he's FCS, so let's root him on. I'm really excited to see what he does. I think that he has, like you said, just such a wide variance because when I look at what he did, he excelled in what he was asked to do. And I just really hope they ask him to do more selfishly because I want to see what that looks like. You and every NFL evaluator out there, man, because <laughs> yeah. he's not going to be an easy eval. And if a team's considering putting a, you know, pulling the trigger on a top 15 pick on a guy like that, they're going to need to know that he can carry the load and not just be a complimentary kind of executor in a sense. But He's interesting, and this is an interesting quarterback class where it's all kind of wide open. And the other thing with Trey Lance is I wonder, like a guy like Sam Ellinger, who has plenty of flaws at the Power 5 level, but has had some great games too against some tough defenses, what would he be doing at North Dakota State? Like how much better would he look than Trey Lance, or would he look worse? I I don't know. And what would Trey Lance Um, do at Texas? You know, if if you could give him – give him the experience of being around Carson Wentz of being around uh, uh, Easton stick and all these guys who've turned this program to what it is. Let him learn all of that stuff, learn from these coaches who are dominating and bring that to Texas. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is better than Sam Ellinger. And I also would not well, be surprised if Sam Ellinger is head and shoulders better than Trey Lance. Right. Right. And I'd love to see him under a coach like Tom Herman, you know, someone who can scheme that kind of offense would mm-hmm. be great. Mm-hmm. And people are excited about this Jamie Newman kid at Georgia. I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little okay. skeptical. You know, Georgia so far, Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, Jacob Eason. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they've maximized talent at that position. I think everyone's treating them like they're almost Oklahoma. And it's like, oh, they've got a transfer quarterback. They're going to make them look great. I might, I might tend to go the other way where it's like, eh. Is this kid yeah. even going to be as good as he was uh, at Wake? So, I don't know. And, and then you think, what would Jake Fromm have done if he was at Oklahoma? You know, uh, where he I mean, obviously mm-hmm. isn't as athletic as the guys who've come before him there. But you have somebody who, I mean, is the best play caller, best play designer in Lincoln Riley, I think, who's alive today. Uh, if you have him working argue. with Jake Fromm, who is known as a very cerebral quarterback, like that is his strength, his brain. What can you pull out of that? Like you lose the athleticism, which is, you know, one very important piece of that offense, but you add this piece that, you know, 
I mean, I don't yeah. want to say anything about Jalen Hurts because maybe Jalen Hurts had that same quality, but what happens when you bring in like a pocket passer who is just like that Peyton Manning brain type? Yeah. I mean, right. Could they have kind of used him a little more like they used Baker? Who knows? I mean, knows? frankly, Fromm should have stayed at Georgia. That was the call he needed to make. But. Yeah. Um, first O-lineman, I think, is a quick conversation, though. Sewell's minus 400. Look, Alex Leatherwood's good. Walker Little's good. Sam Cosme's good. Jalen Mayfield, I really like. Um, the Michigan right tackle. You know, that's another group where it's like he was surrounded by other NFL dudes and was maybe the best of the bunch. Um, so that gets you excited. And, you know, there's some... I'm sure these will get updated as as we go forward. I wouldn't put any money on Walker Little. Um, no. I wanted to, though. I, when we came into this, I, I thought there could be some sneaky value in Walker Little because he missed all of last year with Stanford. And then I saw that they already had him with the third best odds. And I was like, yeah, actually, never mind. That's That's about where I would have him. The thing is, like, for first offensive lineman taken, it's going to be Penny Sewell. Even if he gets hurt today, knock on wood, and misses the season, he's still going to be the first one taken because everybody knows what he is. Yes. The question again, though, is like, or you know what? It's not even a question. I'm just really curious in what order they put everybody else in. And so to see that it's mm-hmm. Leatherwood, Little, Cosme, Mayfield is, is, is interesting to me because I could have seen Cosme being up there. I could have seen, yep. I mean, I guess I wouldn't have expected them to put Little up there, but. I could see the argument. And if this was competition for second lineman drafted, then I would be tempted to put some money on Walker mm-hmm. Little. Yep. And when we get closer to the draft, you'll you'll see those odds as well. But yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of a slam dunk, um, Penny Sewell, which is, again, why he's not bad value to go first overall because he's that rare. He's just, man, you rarely see such a gap between a guy and other guys you've studied in the past. And he's just so clean, so dominant, uh, so much upside, you know, clean off the field too. You just love everything about him. So, Yep. You know what's going to be a really interesting position though? Wide receiver? Oh, yeah. Did I guess it? (laughs) You did. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, Um, man. I'll run through the odds first. So Jamar Chase is the favorite at minus 125. Then mm-hmm. Devontae Smith at plus 400. Then Jalen yeah. Waddell also at plus 400. Even odds for the two Alabama receivers. And then Tylen yeah. Wallace at plus 700. Rondale Moore plus 800. Rashad Bateman, Amon Ross St. Brown, Justin Ross. Crazy to see Justin Ross way down there, but it's tough to be the first Injuries, receiver right? taken if you're hurt. If you're going to miss the season, somebody's going to play their way up in front of you. Yeah, in a class like this, that injury is devastating because he absolutely, he probably would have had the second best odds of anyone um, just behind Jamar Chase. So, yeah, it's a shame for Justin Ross because what a stud. But, I mean, no surprise to us, but this is a phenomenal wide receiver class once again. Um, We've got another great wide receiver locally in Warren Jackson over there at CSU, um, who's going to be really exciting. I tell you what, though. Devontae Smith was more productive than Henry Ruggs. Um, yep. And kind of the go-to guy for, for Tua Tagovailoa 
in that Alabama offense, maybe more so than Jerry Judy on key third down moments and what have you. Um, there's not as clean of a route runner, maybe doesn't have those uh, other overwhelming um, natural skills, but still very reliable. But Jalen Waddle was the most explosive player on that offense as well. Again, more so than Henry Ruggs or uh, anyone else. And I think Waddle, especially with the way the NFL's going, where everyone's trying to imitate the Chiefs, everyone wants just weapons to put the ball in their hands and let them go. I have Waddle ranked right there with Jamar Chase um, because of his just otherworldly playmaking ability. I think that plus 400 makes him very intriguing. Mm, okay. Um, I think those are definitely good takes. I'm curious what you think of uh, Rondale Moore and Amonra St. Brown, who are both guys who I honestly love. Rondell's a stud, man. Rondell's mm-hmm. been dominating the Big Ten for a long time. You know, the only question with him is the size. Like, yeah. if this was more of a normal wide receiver class, yeah, he'd probably he'd be like that receiver class is Corey Coleman. His size wouldn't matter because he's still the top receiver in the class and he's going to go top 15, like pencil him in. He'll be fine. Um, With this receiver class, all the different like body types you have and the fact that he missed last, most of last year for injuries too, Rondell's just going to have a bit of a hard time, like getting back up to where he was at, but he's so spectacular, man. He's so fun to watch. He's so hard nosed and his production is like otherworldly. Um, for a guy who's still so young and, you know, missed a good chunk of last year. Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, the St. Browns are kind of the balls of football. Mm-hmm. Um, Amon Ra, dare I say, the most talented of them all. Yep. Um, and, I mean, we, we've been kind of whispering it all the last year was like, you know, he's not – he's the youngest of the bunch, but – Amonra might be the most talented of those SC wide receivers. And he was hanging with them. Like, like he was right up there with them, with Michael Pittman Jr., with Tyler Vons. Like, he was right in there, and he was that young. Yeah. Yeah, he sure was. Um, Man, dude, I think at plus, you know, 2,000, Amonra's pretty nice value here. Especially because he's getting to play with Keaton Slovis. Who, Dude, I'm so I'm high, so on, high on Slovis. Yeah, yes, he's gonna be so good. And if SC had a good coach, like say they say they did fire Helton and they were able to hire like James Franklin or they got Urban Meyer to come back to yeah. the sideline, I would have SC like preseason like number six. Like, we're gonna be talking I'm, about USC here in a couple minutes again. They have oh, so right many talented sophomores. Um and Slovis, I'm a big fan of. Yeah, like SC, dude. Uh, they're blowing some talent right here with that coaching staff. They need to get it figured out. Yep. Yep. Uh, I totally agree. Um, I think that that's it for receivers, though. Uh, yeah, let's totally. go to running back. And this is a group that I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. The favorite to be the first running back drafted, Travis Etienne at minus 125. Uh, next up is Najee Harris at plus 150, Chuba Hubbard at plus 300, and then Kylan Hill uh, for at uh, plus 450. Kylan Hill might be the most talented of the bunch, dude. I think so. His contact balance, mm-hmm. his power. Whew. 
and I'm, I mean, we were talking about this off air, Hank, but like we, where's CJ Verdell here? Where's Trey Sermon? You know, we could have some other names on here um, yeah. to make this even more interesting, but it's a fun running back class. I, I think ETN in the minus, I think this is the one group where everyone should be in the pluses. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would definitely agree. Like, I don't feel like ETN has that much of an advantage over, I call him Chubba, um, or, or Najee, you know? I agree. Najee, I totally the problem agree. with Najee is, dude, those Bama running backs, someone, some, some sophomore could come up and like steal the show from Najee all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, those dudes do that to each other all the time. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun running back class. Yeah. Especially because like a lot of these guys don't like, like they're holes in their game. You know, they, they aren't perfect running back prospects. There is no Zeke. There is no Saquon. And so these conversations yeah are just so strange. It really is. What are you looking for? You know, I, I was yeah. talking before this about how much uh, I like Penn state's running back uh, journey Brown, who mm-hmm. doesn't have that breakaway speed, but he's so like shifty he has like that power, the bounce. And I just love the way he runs. Whereas you also have guys like Chuba Hubbard who can fly. He could be a track star in Canada mm-hmm. right now, if that's the route that he had chosen, but he's only 200 pounds and you know, he, he has right. run some guys over. Like he has that part of his game. You have to, to be in this conversation, to be the first nope. running back chosen, but it is much more of like this patience, wait for a hole to develop and then boom, hit it and you're gone. How does that work when you're not at Clemson? You know, Najee Harris mm-hmm. is a guy who doesn't have the breakaway speed, but he's leaping over people. He's bowling yeah. over people. It, it, yep. I, the, all these guys, Kylan Hill, another just flyer who does have a little bit more of the balance, a, yeah, a right. little bit more of the power. Uh, it, there are just so many different types of running back here that, you know, when we look at this year's draft with Clyde Edwards, Elaire going first, I don't think he was the best running back in that class. But no, we had mocked him going to the Chiefs as the first running back chosen because we're like, yeah, just makes sense for them. Whereas, right, like right. that's going to be these same conversations, and that's why a guy like Chuba Hubbard, a guy like Kylan Hill, with these plus three hundred, plus four fifty lines, might make more sense because the team that needs a running back when the draft comes around might just need that type of back. Right, and this does feel like a class where we're not going to have a top ten running back. When you have a top 10 running back, the Zeeks, the Leonard Fournettes, um, even C-Mac, you know, you knew about those guys coming into the year. Top 10 running backs don't just come out of nowhere. No, Mm -hmm. the first running back taken could come out of nowhere. Miles Sanders, guys like that. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, where they're not even, they're not even here, but they're not going top 10. They're maybe sneaking into the second half of round one more likely they're going in round two and then it really is kind of like dumb luck what's your flavor you know like it just so happens chubba goes is the first running back taken because he goes to a team that was specifically looking for that and has a plan in mind and he's not just a running back he's like a speed weapon all that kind of stuff you know it's fun yeah i am disappointed that the broncos aren't going to be in on any of these guys you know, I guess I, I, know. I, I could I know. see them snagging a guy in like the fifth round. Like just so that because they know that mm-hmm. like after next year's draft, they'll have one year of Phil and Melvin Gordon. 
and after that they're going to be they're going to need to replace at least one of those guys and like you you have to have a good second running back i this is a tangent now but i was just looking into it and last year royce freeman and Devontae booker combined for 183 touches that's 20 percent of the broncos offensive plays went to royce freeman or Devontae booker that can't happen that, no, that cannot happen. That, what that a black just hole! Can't happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, if you think you want, about it, go ahead. Three of the four spots we've talked about, Broncos not really in need a wide receiver, running back, or quarterback. Knock on wood. Um, mm-hmm. So, and you can really mine some talent on this really nice offensive tackle class. Yeah. Really intriguing group. And you know, we didn't talk about guys like uh, Clemson's got has Jackson Carmen. Um, Ohio State has um, Thayer Munford. You know, there's there's some more talent beyond who we have in um, lines on. You know, and of course, Alric Jackson was the left tackle at Iowa when uh, Tristan Wirfs was playing right tackle. Cole Van Leenen of uh, yeah. Wisconsin. Wisconsin always produces nice offensive tackles. So we've got some talent in this class, and uh, Minnesota has an absolute like mammoth 400 pound right tackle that I know people are excited about color me skeptical on him but that's to say there's tons of talent yes (laughs) yeah i guess so but he let me tell you he does not move like mckay back i'm just putting that out there right now i do think that that's probably where the broncos go in round one though you know i I think that it is a a left tackle and then after that probably back to defense yeah corner uh maybe you start to see linebacker come up there um, another safety really, because I think you'd be looking down the road at that point. Um, because yeah. you know, you have Justin Simmons, yeah. you know, that you have mm-hmm. one more year of Kareem Jackson and then you have to replace him. So that's why you take a stab at a guy in the fourth round and say, okay, if you're, if you're good, then we'll be good to go. And if you're all right, then we can take another guy in the third round, fourth round and let you guys compete. And if you suck, then we can spend a higher, uh, capital pick or we can, sign somebody but but i think the broncos kind of are moving into that phase where it isn't like this year where they say we don't have enough receivers we need to draft receivers they can start to build out and see if they can hit on guys late who become starters uh uh, yeah i mean who knows maybe you see them go back-to-back offensive tackles maybe it's juan james and garrett bulls need to be replaced and it could be that's just the deal let's hope not but let's hope not Okay. Uh, things in play. Before we talk about our uh, favorite teams in college football, favorites to win the championship this year, we want to tell you about the Breckenridge Brewery because we love mm. Breckenridge Brewery. I need to pick up another 15-can sampler. I was at the store. And I was talking about this on the bus pod a couple days ago. I was just at the store. Um, I need to buy some more golf balls because I keep hitting them into the trees. And I realized that – there was like, I saw can sampler really big in refrigerator. And I just assumed Ooh. like, oh, 15 can sampler. It's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. It turns out it was like a 12 can sampler from not Ugh. Breckenridge Brewery. And I was really disappointed. And so I didn't buy any beer because they didn't have any Breckenridge beers. And I'm kind of picky at this point. Well, yeah. you're basically on a beer strike right now. Pretty much. Yeah. And it's all, it's all on me because I didn't check the Breckenridge beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website because of what it told me that they were sold out there. 
That's what well, it is. They were sold out. Let me ask you, why aren't you just getting it delivered at your house through their app or Davidson's or any fun, fun product like that? That is, I wish I had it. I have like everything delivered to me now. Nailed like it, I, huh? Right. Yeah, yeah, no, you caught me. Like all my groceries are delivered, but Amazon doesn't deliver alcohol and that's where I get all my groceries oh. from. And so I, I have on, to do Amazon. like separate delivery when normally I would just like grab one at the grocery store. But yeah, like I had like double-sided tape delivered, like an $8 order a couple days ago. I had, uh, what else? I, my roommate, it just every day is just like walking in with like these little boxes. Oh, these little hook things. I hang my headphones on at my desk. That was another, oh. like, I think they were $4 a piece. So another like $8 order. But yeah, I really should be back on there ordering my uh, Breckenridge beers. Needless to say, don't be like Hank. Order your <laughs> Breckenridge beers. Go get that sampler and uh, you won't regret it. Enjoy the weekend with us. Yes, enjoy the weekend with us. Um, also, we would like to tell you about Manscaped. <sighs> Manscaped is an incredible partner of Good ours time. because they keep us feeling our best in the summer. I'm not like just all sweaty and gross and hairy i'm well refined and i'm taking care of myself below the belt i have no sweat issues which is just insane like even sitting I'll in my room it. recording this podcast i still like i'm sweating a tiny bit but it's all for my armpits nice yeah i mean all their products they got me smelling good they've got me looking good feeling comfortable and uh you know nice and clean so i'm with you hank i'm uh very, very satisfied customer with Manscaped these days. If you guys want to check out the Lawnmower 3.0, their trimmer that mm. is, I think it's 7,000 RPMs. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I understand RPMs or which part of the trimmer rotates and needs the RPMs. Mm. But right. I can tell you that that is a massive number because that's what? That's like over 100 RPMs a minute. I guess so. Um, yeah. The, assuming right. the units you're spitting out are in any way correct. <laughs> the analogy I could give you is, Wait. I like to say when, a, when a quarterback zips it over the second. middle, I'll say he, up the, he knows when to up the RPMs, right? Yeah. He, he, can, he can up, you know, up it to make it a tighter spiral and squeeze it in there. And that's basically what Manscaped's technology is doing for the Lawnmower 3.0, which is also water resistant. It has their yep. patented safeguard technology. It's got that nice little LED light so you can uh, see well as you are grooming all your nooks and crannies. And uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a very nice product. It is a very nice product. And I was definitely wrong with that math because RPM is already rotations per minute, I think. Revolutions per minute. But uh, right, yeah, right. Um, if you guys want to order some products from Manscaped that move even faster than I said they move, then you can go to manscaped.com, use the code DNBR20, save 20% and get free shipping. And uh, yeah, and, and that's only the part that keeps like the hair away. Like the sweat, nothing rotates right, or right. revolves or whatever, so... Exactly. I don't have to do any math. <laughs> there okay. you go. Um, 
back you were to like, sport. Huh, I already don't understand this measure. What would it be per second, <laughs> Let though? Me try it's to like convert. Oh. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know because we really don't need a per second metric now. Uh, <laughs> I know it's like that episode of The Office, where it's like how many beats per minute, and I'll just multiply it by the hours, and uh, okay, no more math. Let's get back yes, to football, please. because. I don't know. I'm not a big stats guy. I'm more of an eye test guy. And uh, I see a lot from Keaton Slovis, and I kind of want him Mm. to be uh, brought up again, this time in this national championship odds conversation. Yes. Which I'm having Um, trouble loading a little, but I think they are just barely my Pac-12 favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's good. Utah's lost so much with that backfield leaving, you know, Tyler Huntley and uh, Zach Moss being gone on offense. Washington, man, it's going to be a tough drop. I know people are high on Oregon, but I'm not convinced by their quarterback at all. What vibes are you getting from them at quarterback? I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I, I do think that, in the grand scheme of college football, Oregon will be running an offense that's less reliant on its quarterback and can get away with worse play there because point. they do they do have C.J. Verdell playing running back. They do have this great offensive line, and and that's what their identity is. They they I mean honestly at this point, point. their their brand of football may be more SEC than most SEC teams. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and when you if look at the odds, they can just play good defense consistently. You're you're absolutely exactly, right. and they're trying their best. And so, when you look at the odds, though, um, both Oregon and USC are plus five thousand. That ties them mm. for the eleventh best odds with Auburn, uh-huh. Penn State, and Wisconsin, Wisconsin, which is interesting. When you look up at the top of the board, uh, Alabama and Clemson are tied for the best odds at plus two fifty followed by Ohio State at plus 400, and then you hit the drop-off mm-hmm. with Georgia at plus 1,200, Florida plus 1,800, LSU plus 1,800, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Texas. Yeah. What are you really looking I can at? Tell you know, you, is it one of these big three that you bet on, or do you think somebody else is really up in there? Well, well, yes, yes. If you're, if you're putting it down, like, serious money on these college football futures, you're betting on the top three. Yep. And, and the way I see it, there's kind of tiers of value right here. Um, and it, these are national championship lines. We'll get lines to make the playoffs and stuff like that, where I would feel better of going outside of the top three. But clearly, Ohio State at plus 400. Ohio State should be plus 250 like Bama and Clemson. Bama's lost to uh, Clemson the last two years. Clemson has lost an absurd amount of talent. And I get their Clemson. I get their, they've got um, Trevor Lawrence. They're going to be just fine, especially competing against the ACC. But still, man, I mean, this Ohio State instead, that's a program that I think looks really healthy right now. Um, They just bring back so much talent on offense. They're always so talented on defense where they've still got some really special players. So at plus 400, Ohio state is a really nice gamble. Um, I, I can say I've put them in a quite enjoyable little parlay um, with nothing but futures. I, I took Ohio state. I took a, a $3 free bet and transformed it into a six way parlay 
that if it hits will net me 37 grand. So uh, best of luck to me on that. <laughs> and uh, hopefully the Buckeyes win the national championship to make that happen. I also need uh, the abs to win the Stanley cup championship, LeBron to win the NBA MVP, which uphill battle. Um, Barcelona to win La Liga and a couple other things to happen. So Nadal to win the French Open. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, then the next tier where I really see value is Notre Dame at plus 2,800. Oh, They're bringing wow. back Ian Book. They've got a lot of talent on defense. I could see Notre Dame sneaking into the playoffs and being like the fourth seed. Yeah. And, and again, I, I like that you brought up, like, if there was a bet to make the college football playoff, and there yes. will be eventually. I think betting is in kind of a weird place with college football in Colorado right now, and I'm not For totally sure. up on what's going on, but they were like, they were going to allow normal betting, but no props. And then they decided just before betting launched that they were going to change that plan and just wanted to scrap it all so that they could start over from the bottom and figure out what they really wanted to do. And now we're kind of just in the middle somewhere. So hopefully that gets figured out and we right. get some like, real and of course there's some, some point. uncertainty with the college football season as well. You know, there is that as Who well. Knows if the playoff format will be different or anything like that. So I think they're just, yeah, you've got that's probably week, week one here. lines and natty lines. So, but yeah, Notre yeah. Dame sneaky, man, sneaky here. And if, if we're bringing up that college football playoff conversation, then mm -hmm. that's where, again, and this is the end of my USC bit, but the reason I bring up USC in this conversation yeah, at all yeah. is because they mm -hmm. opened the season against Alabama. And you know what? I have Alabama winning that game, but sure, sure. they're going to be bringing in a new quarterback. They're going to have yep. like this new team. And if there's ever a time to surprise Bama, it's going to be at a neutral site in the first game of the season when they're going through some changes. Meanwhile, USC is bringing back uh, Keaton Slovis at quarterback, who I, I believe is currently top five in the Heisman odds. Um, not again, mm -hmm. there's weird stuff going on in terms of Colorado, but uh, yeah, he's like right there. Yeah. We've talked about the talent all over the roster. You could see how having that win against Alabama on the resume playing well during conference play, even if you do have maybe even two losses in there, because I do think Bama, I mean, it's not like they're going to be a bad team. If they do no. lose a game or two next year, I could see it being this one, but, but I do think that there'd be some value there too. Yeah, that's interesting. That would almost turn me off from USC a little bit, but you're right. It's a huge opportunity. They're 14-point dogs, which isn't crazy. Um, yeah, man, and I, it's really going to come down to, will like an Oklahoma, USC, or an Oregon sneak in as the representative of, you know, the kind of the fourth of the Power Five conferences, or... Will a conference like the Big Ten get two teams with Penn State looking real intriguing in that sense uh, for the Big Ten or yeah. Florida looking really intriguing for the SEC? You know, we saw Georgia do this a year ago where they barely lose to Bama and they get into the playoffs, but Bama also gets into the playoffs because they've only lost to each other. I think Florida has a leg up on Georgia in the SEC East, and that's why they are another intriguing value for me but, you know, I'm getting them at worse than Notre Dame. I think you're getting – you're overpaying for that SEC name tag. And uh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, just to put numbers out there, Georgia was plus 1,200, Florida plus 1,800, Notre Dame plus 2,800. 
Um, yeah. LSU also plus 1,800 tied with Florida, which coming off a national championship seems kind of crazy, right? Yeah, I guess so. They've just lost a lot. I mean, the thing is that the quarterback and passing game coordinator really made that team. Well, they're both gone, mm-hmm. so you don't know what to expect. Yep, and because they were kind of like a, a dark horse last year before the season and then they just took off, it's a lot easier to see them dropping back down to what they were before last year, which was a, a very good football program, but not a right. national title contender. Um, right. Anything else that you want to bring up before we get into these questions? I mean, all these teams we've brought up have just so much NFL talent. You know, um, Penn State's yeah. got me so excited for Micah Parsons and Pat Freemuth, their, their tight end, who I think is one of the better tight end prospects we've seen in a while usc we've mentioned the wide receivers and how much talent they have you know j to the defensive tackle yeah. um hufanga the safety is just a stud um yeah there's just i'm i, I can't wait for college football to, to start frankly in terms of players to watch or teams to watch because they have players who will be impactful in the draft process what are your three top teams to watch Hmm. Um, I mean, definitely Clemson and Ohio State would be yep. up there, you know, where it's just guaranteed scouting. Alabama brought back so many guys, it's hard not to say Bama. Yeah, it might just be those I mean, top it's, three. It's boring to say the top three, but those three teams, there's a reason they're always so good. It's because they have nothing but NFL talent and, uh, yeah, if you're seeking out NFL talent, they're an easy watch right there. Boy, Agreed. Phil's looking good. Before we get into the questions, and I think we have three questions today, we want to tell you about WGT Golf. Yeah. W, WGT is not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. Mm-hmm. You can download WGT and join the DNVR Clubhouse by going to dnvrgolf.com. And right now, there is a clash between the two DNVR Clubhouses. So the way it works is you download the app, the most popular golf game in the world, and you join the DNVR Clubhouse or the DNVR Clubhouse 2. And you'll compete in a weekly tournament. So every Sunday uh, there's, there's a tournament that's set up. We put together like the leaderboard, there's winners, there's a whole bunch of losers, mostly Mm -hmm. losers. And then uh, it's a lot of fun. But then also today there is a clash between the two DNVR clubhouses. They're taking each other on. And uh, I haven't checked the results. I think it just started like an hour or so ago. Yeah, just started. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go DNVR, not DNVR two. Uh, DNVR, that's that's my clubhouse, and I'm about to uh, represent here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm also part of the OG clubhouse with both my phone and iPad account. I've oh, got wow. a burner iPad account, so you never know when you're <laughs> when you're playing against Dre and his burner iPad account on WGT. Oh, wow. Just another reason to get on there. Yep, <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, gonna be asking strangers if they're Dre's burner. My Abby is a lady, and I find that people are much nicer to me in the chats with my <laughs> burner account. So, <laughs> she has a burner golf. Oh, that's incredible. Yep, it's my burner WGT golf, and it's slowly turning into maybe I'll be catfishing people by the end of the year. Who knows? Probably. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> if you right. catfish me, I'm going to be pretty upset. 
once That's I'm right. done laughing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we're okay. already in a long involved in a long distance relationship on WGT. Is that you? For all you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it can't be. The Snapchats are geotagged. Uh, you can go to dnvrgolf.com and you can join Dre and I and play golf oh with uh, all of your internet friends. Okay, uh, questions. Dre, do you have them pulled up? Because I was too busy yeah. to pull them up. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to start from the bottom now guys i know it's been a minute since uh you asked these but i'm assuming they're still relevant if they're not we're gonna <laughs> laugh it off and move on um okay. <laughs> breck, breck drew starts off with hey y'all things are crazy out there and i appreciate you guys being a distraction so my question is does having such a young offense benefit benefit us in the fact that they haven't been here to witness the previous years of losing as in they haven't been a part of the losing culture? Great question. Yeah, I, I think it does. I think we're at a point where, A, it's going to be really beneficial for this group to grow together and grow together with their franchise quarterback, which I fully believe Drew Locke is. And on top of that, grow together with a great offensive coordinator in Pat Shermer. And I think it does help that most of these guys haven't necessarily been there for the culture of losing. I think it also helps, though, that the, the established voices and leaders on that offensive side of the ball are two are second- and third-year guys like Dalton Reisler, Drew Locke, uh, Philip Lindsay, and they have been there for some of that. And I think that's just – they're already fiery guys, competitive guys. I think that only increases this, like – this is our job to turn this around. So I think it, it's like the, the losing hasn't seeped in. It's become a motivator. It's become a driving force. It's become a rallying cry to get this young unit to, to go ahead together. Yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. reading too much into it. but yeah. That could be the case. But I, I think I agree. I think I do agree that it does all work together. I just like the way all their personalities mesh too. Like it just seems like a fit. You know, I was reading through, um, I think maybe the players tribune has a series called mm. like what the blank or something like that. And uh -huh. this take like random players and have them fill things out. Like what's your favorite, whatever. And there was some pretty crazy stuff uh, because Cortland Sutton <laughs> filled it out. Um, including the three best football players ever. One, Terrell Owens. Two, Deion Sanders. And three, Von Miller. But uh, there wow. was some other good stuff about, like, just how much he loves Justin Simmons in there. And, like, a whole okay. bunch of things that make you think, like, oh, these guys really do care. And you see them, like, hanging out together, you know, bringing in Melvin Gordon, who hates the Chargers. Just hates the Chargers. So I know great. you need yeah. that. Like he hates the Chargers in a way the only fans who have been following this team for decades can hate the Chargers. And you need that. And guess what? I Even bet he probably then. hates the Chiefs and Raiders. Yeah, but you just need <laughs> right. all of this stuff to work. And I do think they have all these different pieces that fit mm -hmm. together in a way that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's true. I do think off the field, the pieces to the puzzle make as much sense as they have since... Peyton was here, right? 
Yeah. Everything seems to be structured around the voices in that locker room that really matter. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. All right. Um, Tebow over Brady. Love this question. Oh, you had, you had another point for me. Oh no. I was just going to offer to read it. Oh, you found it. You got it. Yeah. It took some scrolling. Um, Hey guys. Rank the following players who are in need of a strong 2020 campaign based off the need for a good season in order to prolong their career in the NFL. The players are Demarcus Walker, Garrett Bowles, Jake Butt, Isaac Yadam, Drew Locke, Duke Dawson, and Deshaun Hamilton. Can't wait to hear what order you guys come up with. Ooh, this is a tough one. In terms of, right, so, so, so this is in order to prolong their career. That's was, right. So we really need to think as we rank these, who is on the brink, who is closest basically who is who is playing as much of a make or break season to where they could be out of the NFL if the season is break and not make? Yeah, makes sense. Yep. yep. So starting from the bottom, Drew Locke is going to get uh-huh. another chance, mm-hmm. even if things go poorly in Denver. Yes. Um, yes. Crazy you know, as it sounds, I think the next guy's Garrett Bowles. I, I could see it. And, and my take there is that if Garrett Bowles starts for the Broncos this year, he's getting another shot somewhere. Somebody is going to say, okay, mm-hmm. even though he had mm-hmm. these flaws, the yes. Broncos are still good with it. Yes. If the Broncos sign Jason Peters and Garrett Bowles is on the bench, rides the pine all year, then I could see him not getting a shot with another team after. But mm-hmm. I still think the odds would be that somebody would at least bring him in for training camp. You know, if, you're, yeah, if your options thing, are, do you bring in Garrett Bowles or one more undrafted rookie at tackle? You probably bet on Bowles would be my thought. But again, if he's buried yeah. and the Broncos aren't playing him, then maybe not. I don't think he'd be that. The thing to me is like Michael Schofield went on from the Broncos and has carved out a decent career at guard. That's true. But still, Tyson went moved on from the Broncos and got re-signed. He hasn't been good. But he got, he stayed in the <laughs> yeah. NFL. He, you know, like some, a team actually outbid other teams to retain his services. Yeah. Um, and I think Garrett Bowles would go in that similar direction. It's just, guys, the, the bar is so low at tackle in the NFL. It's such a tough job um, that, you know, anyone who can, and Bowles has been a liability, so it's not even not be a liability. Anyone who can reasonably hold their own. For ninety percent of the snaps, is like worth keeping on an NFL roster for a little while longer. Um, With that same thinking, I think Duke Dawson would be next on the list. You can never have enough cornerbacks, and I think he's still. You know, he he was a second rounder by the Patriots. I think he would still have a job. Um, even if this is um, less than exhilarating season. I had Deshaun Hamilton in front of Duke Dawson, um, but I definitely, I I struggled with that. Um, My thinking with Deshaun is he did enough at the end of last year to have people saying, huh, maybe there's something there. And I think that if he doesn't have a big year this year, it's going to be because he just isn't seeing the field. 
And if he isn't seeing mm-hmm. the field, I think that some other team that needs a receiver is going to be able to look at Denver and say, hey, they had Noah Fant. They had Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and KJ Hamler and Tim right. Patrick. And like, there's, there's got to be something that Deshaun can do. And because Deshaun, while he doesn't have like the special teams aspect that you'd look for in a depth receiver, he does have that personality that you say, okay, he's somebody you want in a locker room. You're not bringing in somebody who has any issues. And if you're looking for somebody to be your fourth receiver or maybe even third receiver on a bad team, even if he can just go out and make a couple plays in the limited time he sees the field, I think that he gets another deal. Whereas Duke Dawson, even though he was a second round pick, he is already on his second chance. And if he can't yeah. get time, I, I think that like there's a chance that he doesn't even get a job with the Broncos out of training camp. I think that he could be one of those players cut. And if that's the case, I guess if that's the case, I do think somebody takes a shot. Maybe the worst right. case scenario is that he sits at the back of the Broncos roster and just kind of fades out at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But I, I struggled with those two. And I'm, you, you I, make I, a I pretty compelling Hamilton. case for Deshaun there. Um, because my counter argument would be, I and to to anyone who says Deshaun's worth anything is what has he shown you that is something more than your average run of the mill NFL quality wide receiver can do? Because to me, just gets open on little comebackers that are ten yards. Anyone can do that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Any NFL wide receiver. But then again, what's Duke Dawson done that shows me that he's above? above average or above replacement right it, it just comes down to too. totally totally it just comes down to a p- position value right i think it's another example like tremaine brock got cut by the broncos didn't look very good he still got signed by another team so i think yeah. there might be just a little more need but but you made a pretty good case for deshaun hamilton are we in agreement on garrett bulls being the second less in need of a make or break season okay Okay, in terms so of then prolonging career, yes. In terms of making yourself tens of millions of dollars, no. But if he were to right, turn right, things right. around, he yeah. could do things. But in this game, I'd totally. say yeah. Okay, so then we just split Duke and Deshaun, and I think Yadam's next. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I think, and again, this could be a discussion with Demarcus Walker because Demarcus has flashed, and we've seen that, again, defensive line, another position where, I mean, how many guys are seeing time for the Broncos this season? Six? Seven? You know, you you need to have some depth there. and going to be on the verge of six, seven. I I think that people will see, again, former second-round draft pick. Should he Mm -hmm. have been? That conversation has been forgotten at this point by everybody outside of Denver. And I, yeah. I, I do think that, again, he's situational pass rusher, not necessarily a need the Broncos have at this point. Maybe once Terrell yeah. Casey like, moves on after the season, if that's mm-hmm. what happens, then he could fill back into that role. But it right. seems like the, the Broncos are really going after situational pass rushers in terms of their defensive linemen. Um, You're probably right. As low on the totem pole as he is for the Broncos, and I think like McTelvin, Ajim, is ahead like he mm-hmm. is at best and Marcus Walker is the sixth defensive lineman on the Broncos at mm-hmm. best um so th- that's a tough starting point again Yadam maybe comes down to positional need but you're right uh, maybe situational pass rusher does trump six cornerback but you know Yadam does have the size he was a third rounder like 
something just didn't go right in Denver, but he could kind of be like what Cody Lattimore was at wide receiver. He could be that at cornerback. We're like, obviously Cody didn't leave the Broncos and become like a pro bowler, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who's still hanging around. Right. He didn't um, fit here. Whatever right. was happening with him was happening with him. And he was able to figure out what his role is in the NFL afterward. Right. Yeah. So I guess I, I'm, I'm sticking with Yadam as the number three, but I, I'm, you've convinced me that Demarcus Walker needs to be two and Jake, but sadly yep. is the one most in need of a make or break season. Forget make or break. The guy first off needs to stay healthy. He's going to have a yep. massive uphill battle to, to just see the field and get reps. Um, what happens if the Broncos man, cut him? I'm rooting for him. If, if, if you had yeah, to I bet right now, you, you don't think anybody even brings him in? Because he's, I, I don't even think he has practice squad eligibility, does he? Shoot, he's always been on the IR, so maybe yeah. he does. But I don't know that any team's like thirsting to put Jake Butt on their taxi squad, you know, on yeah. their practice it, squad. Agreed. It, it's, it's just, just so, like, it sucks, man. It's so sad. It is. And he's in a tough spot with the Broncos because, I mean, what is he right now? Is he number five? Number six? Because you have, you have fans. You have, you have Beck, too, who, I mean, maybe isn't the number two, but he's certainly had a Jake Butt. And then you have Vanette. Yeah. Then you have Okwagunam. Then yeah. Hireman, who they have already paid. If those are the yeah. only five, then Jake Butt's their sixth tight end. Where's Troy yeah. Fumagalli? You can make the case that he's ahead of him. Uh, mm-hmm. And they've had those other depth guys whose names, like, like Bug Howard, like, like sure, guys sure. who've even produced, right. like have at least seen the field. I think he could squeeze into that fifth spot, but boy, he's got to do. I mean, he's got to do things he hasn't been able to do his entire NFL career. Yeah, it's tough, tough to ask, man. We but talk then, about projection a lot on this show. Tough to project someone to finally do something you've been waiting on them for like three years to do. Yeah, and and his hope, I guess, is that. You know, if you look through the Broncos' tight ends of the last few years, again, Bug Howard has seen a football field. Like, like there are guys like that who uh, have come through. Who's the guy who the Broncos got from the Patriots? Um, like, signed him after no. they cut him. Matt um, Lacoste, you're thinking? Yeah. I mean, they, like got, Matt they got Beck that way. Lacoste actually yep. went the other direction. Oh, but that's right. He left for the Patriots. But, yeah, like – Again, just as an example of the type of tight ends who have been making rosters, could Jake Butt sneak onto a team that isn't deep like the Broncos are at tight end right now just because they don't have the guys? I think that that's a possibility, but if I had to bet, I'd say if the Broncos cut him, he doesn't get another shot. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. He's definitely in the biggest make-or-break spot. Yeah, and for him, it's not even a season. It's it's a camp. He has to earn a chance to have a make-or-break season. Yeah, the little bit of camp and preseason he's even going to have. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe this plays into his hand because he's actually not putting his body at risk. True. You know? True. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he gets hurt again, goes on IR, and then (laughs) the Broncos move on from everybody except for Fant and Okuegbunam. And then next year he comes back. I guess, was Vanette a two-year deal, though? 
Because yeah. Vanette's going to be in front of him no matter Boy, what. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And then they're still back. Yeah, he's in a tough spot, yeah. especially being with the Broncos. He had his opportunities, though. Again, if he just could have stayed healthy, there were so many of those tight ends who he should have probably been able to beat out. 100%. And he looked right. at that one preseason game against the Rams where he finally could see the field. They're like force feeding him the ball. He looked the part. He looked the part comp NF tight end who can go out there and be a nice outlet for your quarterback and catch like five receptions for 60 yards and not be a liability in the as a block. He flashed that ability, man. That that's a solid starter. If he could sustain that, you know, sucks. This is kind of a tough question, but uh Imagine there was a prop bet on DraftKings that was Jake Butt to make the Broncos 53-man roster, opening day 53-man roster. What would the odds have to be for you to say, that's just like a value I can't pass up? Five to one, six to one in that range. Okay. Yeah, that's right around where I was. That's right around where I was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move along to uh, the big Tabowski, who says, Hey, fellas, mm-hmm. love the game you guys played last pod, and I even played along with you, although I always picked third behind you guys, so my team was noticeably worse. A couple of picks you guys made, I groaned, as I had already earmarked them. It was good fun doing anyway and filled the mock draft-sized hole in my life at the moment. I still think my team would hold up against yours. Take a look. No need to read on pod, really, as people might not find it interesting, apart from maybe my kicker. You guys missed a trick there. Two birds with one stone. All right. Um, let's just fly through it really quick because it is kind of interesting. Joey Bosa, Albert Hainsworth, Chase Young, John Abraham, James Harrison, Roquan Smith, Devin Bush, D'Angelo Hall, Antonio Cromartie, Jamal Adams, Harrison Smith. Then on offense, Tim Tebow, Adrian Peterson, oh, no. Tyron Smith, <laughs> Brandon Scherf, Travis Frederick, Logan Makins, Dwayne Brown, Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne, Victor Cruz, Doug Baldwin, Percy Harvin. Odell Beckham Jr., Brett Kern. Odell Beckham Jr. is the kicker. That's oh, wow. uh, sneaky. Um, <laughs> very uh, sneaky. Oh, and but you I can guess swap with Tony Romo for Victor Cruz, he says, or Doug Wald, Dalt Baldwin, and put Demarius Thomas in for the quarterback that wins game. There you go. Oh, oh, and lastly, Henry said DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league, and Andre was surprised and didn't agree. Is it because he is DeAndre and you're just Andre? (laughs) I am very partial to Andre's, but I I do adopt. uh, DeAndre's to me are, they're not not Andre's, but I I adopt them as my own, I must say. So DeAndre Hopkins, he's with me. I'm... My, I discriminate against DeAndre Hopkins not because of the, the DeAndre, but because to me he doesn't create enough separation. And so I almost <laughs> feel like he gets overvalued because he's making all these spectacular catches because he has to because he can't create any separation. And then people are like, oh, my God, did you see that catch? And it's like, well, yeah, if he could run just a little faster, he wouldn't have to make circus catches every single game. He could just catch the ball normally because he would actually separate from and then. Teams. And then maybe be putting up 1,600-yard seasons with trash quarterbacks instead of 1,400. I mean, last I checked, Deshaun <laughs> Watson is a stud. So okay, I, I resent okay, you fair. calling him a trash quarterback. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Other than those two, three years. Yeah. That's right. And, I mean, 
you know, I am glad though for Andre Johnson that DeAndre has moved on so that clearly Andre Johnson remains the greatest wide receiver mm. in Texans history. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Andre you know me too well, Tabowski. That's right. <laughs> the Vic Tabowski also says, uh, I definitely agree with one of you two here though. And it's the bear may spraying Montana man who gets an approving nod from me. Yup. Nuke is the best receiver in the league. In my opinion too. Wow. Hands, speed, agility, route what running, speed? jumping. That boy has what it all, speed? as well as being a really nice guy. One of my favorite non-Broncos players. Keep up the great work, fellas. We didn't. And don't tell the Broncos pod guys, but you two are my faves. Peace out and stay wow. safe, especially in these trying times. The Big T. Let's go. Legendary from the Big <laughs> T. Um, legendary. I, I will only, I'll, I'll stop hating on DeAndre Hopkins now. Yep. Um, <laughs> after the kind words from the Big T. You have to. Um, yep, I, I think have that to. does it for today. Um, I think so. I don't think there's anything else Amazing. to add other than I've missed no. this. I, I know, me too. And we'll be back. Sometime. We'll do more draft stuff. Um, we'll get Jake back. I know he's, yeah. he's he wrote up all the running backs. Mm-hmm. He's been writing some great film rooms. I'm going to get back to that, starting with Justin Sternod soon. Ooh. I know you've been doing some good stuff, and we're starting to get more and more excited every day with college football potentially coming back. So Potentially. <sighs> yeah, man. It's exciting. I miss this too, Hank. So thanks for doing this, brother. Oh, yeah. It's always a blast. And we will be back next week with more. And we'll see you all then. Oh, leave your comments too. Questions. Yeah, keep that up.